Gerritsen and Toth presents The Shift with Jack Johnson on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM and 94.5 FM. It is Friday and it's another edition of The Shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, we're kind of in this limbo of college basketball is really the only thing going on right now that we discuss on the show. Uh, the NFL is in the middle of their combine. Major League Baseball is still in spring training. And we'll have a little Royals talk to close out the show today. But I thought we could take a unique spin on the first segment because it's a Friday and because it's been something that is been circulating through around my uh, brain for the last oh month or so ever since the Chiefs won the Super Bowl and it comes back to brands in sports right I think there is a very definitive list as to who are the national brands in the league and if you start in the NFL I think it is undeniable that the Dallas Cowboys are the biggest brand in the NFL because if you go out of the country If you go globally, you go over to Europe, you go to Australia, and you said the name Dallas Cowboys, I would say the average person would know who the Dallas Cowboys are. They are the American football team. Of course, if you're going overseas, they will call it American football, not football, because that's soccer in Europe. But the Dallas Cowboys are a very recognizable brand. They have been for decades. And even though they haven't been a very successful franchise for two and a half decades, they have the brand. It's iconic. The star on the helmet. You've got that national brand. You hop over to the NBA, I think it's pretty simple. The Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers had Magic, Kareem, Kobe, Shaq. You know, now LeBron, they're the most recognizable franchise next to the Boston Celtics. Celtics and Lakers for a long period of time were just the faces of the NBA. You can try and say Golden State. It's more so the people of the 2010s that would recognize that. But historically, going years and years and years back, It's the Lakers and the Celtics. You go to Major League Baseball. Again, not much of a debate. It's the New York Yankees. The Yankees are the biggest brand. They've had the most historic players. If you want to go at number two, the Dodgers, but also think they were Brooklyn and then they're L.A. Like the Yankees have never changed their logo, never changed their uniform, never changed their style. They even have their same stupid rule of you got to have a clean shaven face. Like, they are that brand. You go outside the country, you know who the New York Yankees are. Uh, You go to, to flip it here, like you are an American that doesn't watch soccer, if you are. You look over in Europe. What are those EuroLeague soccer teams you recognize? Arsenal? Manchester United? Like, that's the same debate they'd be having over there of who are the teams you're going to recognize. Liverpool? No, for Americans, it's like, you know, David Beckham, you know Messi, you know Ronaldo. You know, then they've bounced around teams from time to time. Like, honestly, you know, watching that David Beckham documentary on Netflix helped me out a lot with a lot of these teams. Fantastic. It was a great documentary. I was like, I'm not even that big of a soccer guy, but this was fascinating. This was great to watch. And I've been to soccer games, and they're fun to watch. And I'm a big Man U supporter. Grew up. Okay. So... I grew up. I don't know if you even knew this. I grew up playing soccer. I went to college and played. I did not know this. I played college soccer at Western Illinois. What divi- position? Division. I was a goalkeeper. So that's why the Leathernecks, right? There you go. I remember you brought that up. I'm like, that is pretty intriguing that he knows that mascot. I never followed up on that's it. That's my school, man. But you're you're a tall guy, so you probably stood out more than the rest in playing soccer. Yeah, I mean. The, the, I mean, you're one of the tallest guys here in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but there are. A handful of teams had had had, had big guys. fellows. Yeah, had guys. You either played goalkeeper, center back, or forward if you were a guy that's over six foot, basically. Okay, because you'd think. I guess that's more so of the 
the lack of knowledge of me, but I look at like Beckham and Messi. Yeah. Like not the biggest dudes out there. Messi no. certainly not. No. But, like Ronaldo's a pretty big dude. Yeah. He played yep. forward, you there know, you go. And, and Beckham was a midfielder, and so guys that play in the middle and, and on the outsides are usually smaller guys. I never knew that about you. Yeah, man. And I should have followed up about it when you uh, knew the mascot of Western yeah. Illinois. So, you know, you, you're talking soccer, you're talking my language, but I grew up, really, when I grew up, it wasn't on TV any mm-hmm. anywhere, like, it, like you can turn on, you can... You can turn on Hulu. You can turn on Peacock. A lot of different all over. Now. There's soccer all over. Paramount has the Champions League all the time. But when I was growing up, ESPN two had just come out. It's called the Deuce. Yes, right. And this is like I mean eighty nine, ninety ish. I was about eight, nine, ten years old. Mm-hmm. And the only team you could really watch was Manchester United. They'd have them on the Deuce on Saturday yep. mornings. And so I grew up loving this goalkeeper named Peter Schmeichel who became like a hero of mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'd watch him every weekend in Man United, and I was a big Peter Schmeichel guy. And so that's I, that's why, because everybody's like, oh, you like Man U? Oh, yeah, cool, all right. Yeah, you sound basic. Yeah, or, you yeah, like the, the Yankees. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. You like the Lakers. Oh. But no, it's, it was literally the only EPL team you could mm-hmm. watch. And so I was like, and they had the best goalkeeper in the world at the time. And so I, that was my position. So I, I, I naturally gravitated to, to Man U. But yeah, so there you go. That's also a perfect tie-in too, because why was Man U on the Deuce in night in the late nineteen eighties? Because they were the brand. Yeah, I mean, you they, had to put them out there. It was I, like you were a fan of that. I know a lot of people too. To the Cowboys' point of it's well, I'm a Cowboys fan because that's the only team that was shown on TV back then. Right, and also like you can course. I mean, look the what's the most valuable team according to Forbes in the NFL? It's it's the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. They're worth nine billion dollars, yes. right? And so it's like you can also go like. Those brands also correspond to value. Mm-hmm. You look at the top of Forbes list for for franchises. Those teams that you named, they're going to be at the top. The Yankees. Yeah, I don't even know what their valuation is right now, but they are they are at the it's, top. They're at the top. The, the yep. top of the list. Same with you know the. I think last time it came out, I think the the Knicks and the the Warriors were ahead of the Lakers and the Celtics, mm-hmm. but right behind them. And it's big market, right? Right. It's the New York Knicks. You recognize like it's the logo. You automatically think of it they don't change their logo right and that's you know the the point i want to get to here because also like you throw out the nhl um i would say the rangers have a pretty big brand the penguins being in pittsburgh have a big yeah red rings um the flyers have a pretty big brand obviously montreal the montreal yeah massive yes the the maple leafs the bruins have a big brand like there's a couple different ones you go with in the nhl uh, but then I start asking myself the question, well, can the Chiefs ever be that global brand? Um, I thought long and hard about this, and I'm going to have an unpopular opinion. I think no. I do not think the Chiefs will ever get to that level of global status where for 50 years you know about the Kansas City Chiefs. Here's why. I think that what the Chiefs are doing right now is recognizable to the world. Uh, and it also doesn't hurt that Taylor Swift is dating one of your best players. Like, that is going to have the reach for countries that only care about Taylor Swift. They go, oh, yeah, she's dating uh, that tight end for Kansas City. Small city or small-ish city in the middle of America. You know, it's not West Coast. It's not East Coast. It's not in the biggest state in Texas. Smack dab. On the border of Kansas and Missouri. Most people don't even know if it's in Kansas and Missouri. And why I will say that even the success they bring is not going to make them a Dallas Cowboys brand, a Yankees brand, a Manchester United brand, is because we have seen dynasties before. We've seen them in all sports. Right? In the NFL... Remember the Dolphins dynasty, even New England's dynasty. Let's not go that far back. San Francisco's dynasty. But I'll I'll go more so with New England. New England is not recognized as a national brand. But they are the second most valued team, according to Forbes. But can't get to Dallas status. Like Dallas has had the luxury of 25 years of not playing in a truly meaningful playoff game. I guess every playoff game is meaningful, but we're talking the high status, NFC Championship game, Super Bowls. Nearly three decades now. Nada. New England had six in how many years? 
six and twenty, and consistently getting to the the highest level like two decades, and that lifted them to that status of number two, but not Dallas. And I, I do wonder also is you know we didn't live during the merger, right? Mm-hmm. It, but that was a big deal. The yep. a- AFL was not taken serious. It was not taken serious. Mm-hmm. It, it, was, it was like the minor league team. And then when they had the Super Bowl, you know, and the, the Jets won the first, you know, Super Bowl, the third Super Bowl, but the first one for the a- AFL, right? Uh, and it's like the Cowboys have had a brand before the NFL even merged, right? It was the Packers it, yes. and it was the Cowboys. The Packers are up there too, yeah, in terms of a brand. Right. And like the iconic. And like that was like the true, like, NFL. Mm hmm. Right, and so it's kind of carried carry itself into what we know today as the NFL, as these iconic franchises, like the Patriots. They weren't a franchise in the old NFL, mm-hmm. and so it's like these legacies are built like on generation after generation after generation. Yeah. And I think this is where you're kind of starting to go. Is that you know even though the Patriots had that run, they're still not a, a, a global iconic mm-hmm. franchise. I think you would look at New England and you'd recognize one player, right? You'd say Tom Brady. They wouldn't say Bill Belichick. They wouldn't say Wes Welker. They wouldn't say Rob Gronkowski. They wouldn't say, you know, Drew Bledsoe. Because for that period of time, that's when New England was relevant. Outside of that, not the most relevant. They'd had their moments, but not truly the most relevant. What was that? What Super Bowl was that when they got just their doors blown off? Like that's the that's the lasting memory I have of pre Brady. That I can recall. I wasn't even alive for it, but I can go to and say, oh, I remember New England in a Super Bowl that they got the doors blown off them. It was before Brady. Man, I want to say it wasn't the, the. You're not talking about the Parcells, you know, far beating Parcells with the Patriots. You're talking about when they lost to the Bears. I think it's the Bears game. Yeah. Yeah. The Bears game is the one I'm thinking of there. So that would have been 85. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got punished by the Bears. Yes. As did a lot of people back then. But New England didn't reach that status. Another one, I'll jump a league here. I'll go to the NBA, right? The Chicago Bulls of the 90s. We think of them as a brand. When you think Bulls, what do you think of? Jordan. You don't think of post-Jordan. You don't think of pre-Jordan. You think of the Jordan Bulls. They are a big brand, but they are not a global brand like the Lakers. They are not a global brand like the Celtics. Another dynasty, Golden State. My era, when I grew up, I will be able to tell my children I witnessed the Golden State Dynasty and how unbeatable they were with Steph, Clay, Draymond, KD, Iguodala. Like, they just had an unbeatable group. More specifically with the Kevin Durant Warriors, but even before that, they were damn good. I remember the... LeBron Cavs teams. I remember the big three in Boston. There's another there's another era of Boston Celtics basketball that you can resonate with. The big three. Right? And now Boston's back up near the top of the league with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. In the last couple of years, they've been in the Eastern Conference semis or the Eastern Eastern Conference Finals. They are that national brand. But like the Bulls and Golden State and even some of the great teams right now, Denver. Denver's not national brand and I'm a Denver fan a Nuggets fan I should say I really need to hammer that point in I'm not a Broncos fan not a Rockies fan I'm a Nuggets fan but not a national brand not a global brand and then you hop to Major League Baseball now the Dodgers have have been really good but if I'm going to talk about in terms of dynasties like the Astros the Astros even with their cheating scandal They've won a World Series after that cheating scandal. They've been to multiple World Series. Are they a global brand? They are not. So for Kansas City, the Chiefs, I'm not saying they can't be good for 20 years. They can be. But it also shows you with New England, like what we all remember. If you grew up in the 90s or the 2000s, I was born in 99, witnessed the Brady era, basically in its entirety. I missed the first couple years of the Brady era, but I started having memories, actual thoughts about the Brady era in like 2003, four. So I witnessed 15 to 20 years of Brady's reign. And for a lot of my friends, we remember that. If, if you watch the NFL, who was the scariest team? It was New England. 
New England was always a team that was winning, winning. You hated New England. Indianapolis, kind of with ties to Kansas City because Peyton always beat the Chiefs. Like, they were number two on that list. And the Broncos were kind of right there as well. And so that's what I think of kids that were born in 2009 or probably more so 2019. I don't know why I went that far back because maybe I was trying to incorporate the Alex Smith era. If kids are born in 2019 and now they are five years old, kind of where I was at, they are going to go through their young parts of their life knowing that Patrick Mahomes in Kansas City is the the pinnacle. They are the scariest team in the NFL. They are the team that everybody hates. But are they going to be that team 25, 30 years down the road, even if they're not winning Super Bowl after Super Bowl after Super Bowl, to go, that's the biggest brand. You're going to go to Europe if you have the money, or you're going to go to Australia, and you'll see people wearing Chiefs jerseys. Or you're going to go to, even in America, you go to New York. Like, I have been... Not everywhere in the country, but Jake, I feel like you can speak to this as well. You've been to a lot of places. You'll see a lot of people wearing Cowboys gear. Like, you'll just go into a restaurant, go into a coffee shop, go to a bar. Somebody's wearing a Cowboys hat. Somebody's wearing a Cowboys shirt. You may occasionally see a Chiefs shirt or a Royal shirt. And the reason I say that is because when I've gone to Chicago or I've gone to the West Coast or somewhere on the East Coast, or Florida, and you see somebody in a Kansas City shirt, you're like, oh my God, I can't believe they're wearing Kansas City gear. Like, you have to give them a go Chiefs, go Royals, or your college teams, Rock Chalk, M-I-Z, E-Maw, I guess, or go Cats. Like, everybody's, like, kind of caught off guard by it. And I still think even after this level of success with Kansas City, you go back to 2014, the Royals went to two World Series, you know... The Chiefs have won three Super Bowls. KU's won a national championship. Missouri's won the Cotton Bowl. They compete at the top off the SEC. You know, uh, K-State went to the Sugar Bowl. Like, there's a lot of recognizable things in the heart of America. But you would be lying if you say you go somewhere else now and you see somebody repping Chiefs gear and you're like, makes sense. Makes sense. We're a global brand now. I'd say more popular. There's more people wearing Chiefs gear now than ever. Yeah, right now they're the hot team. They're the hot team. It's just like, and this is why I've always said, the Chiefs are Golden State. Like, in 2012, 13, 14, yeah. 15, yeah. every open gym I'd go to, go to Lifetime Fitness, play some pickup, somebody would be wearing a Steph Curry jersey. Yep. Somebody would. Were they wearing the Steph Curry jersey with the orange look and the navy blue lettering of the Warriors? No. It's once they got popular. It's once they got the talk of the league became that status. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, want that badly. But another part of it is where you are at. New York is always going to have its brand because it's NYC. New York, New York. People make songs about that city. Kansas City does have songs about their city. It's not globally recognized. Like L.A., New York, Dallas, they're going to have the massive markets, the huge brands. And that's why it's like Boston and New York have that rivalry because Boston is a big market, but they're also looking at New York as like, we'll never be New York status. We are being town. We are the rough and tough. We are the blue collar. And New York is the, the high end, the luxurious. You know, there's Madison Square Garden. And even though New York in some areas is not the most pristine, if you've never been there, you watch movies all the time. You watch movies. You have you know, Seinfeld set in New York. Friends set in New York. Uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days set in New York. Like It's easy. It's New York or L.A. It's the brand. It's the brand. The Knicks are always included. The Lakers are always included. Do we ever get to the level where the Chiefs are like a team? Like you have a, a rom-com or a, a sitcom comedy set in Kansas City. Probably not, and I, I love no. this city. I've always lived here, but I do think the Chiefs are going to fall into that category of what the Bulls were, what the Warriors were, what New England was, which is not a bad thing. Unfortunately for the Chiefs, they are not going to gain that status of those alphas, those top dogs, because as Jake brought up, you know, growing up, if you grew up in the 70s, you might have been a Cowboys fan here because the Cowboys were the only team that was shown. Yeah, I mean, my, my mom was, you know, grew up in St. Joe, Missouri. Mm -hmm. You know, she was born in 1952. She grew up loving the Packers. 
and they were shown a lot to yeah. She loved the Packers. That mm-hmm. was her team. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that that's how you had to you're either you had to, <laughs> you had to pick a team. You couldn't really connect with the team. I mean, could you imagine right now if we didn't have TVs? You'd have to connect with the team you only heard on the radio. But that's that's how she listened. She would yep. li- listen to the Packers on the radio. And, and that's like could you imagine now? Like you may not even know what these players look like. <laughs> Right. It's like, I'm hearing about this guy all the time. Bart Starr, I'm hearing about him all the time, but I don't know what he looks like. But on TV, it was like the Cowboys had the Cowboys cheerleaders. They had that iconic star, Roger Staubach. You go a little bit later, and you got Troy Aikman. You got Irvin. You got Emmett Smith. You got Dion. It was like all these recognizable guys. So that's why there's so many Cowboys fans. They were always shown. No, for the Yankees, growing up, the Yankees were always winning World Series. It was hard for a four- or five-year-old kid to not look at the Yankees and go, I kind of want to be a fan of that team. Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Mickey Mantle, Roger Maris, Murderer's Row. And that's why, you know, as much as I would love to say, I would enjoy it if I could sit back 40, 50 years from now and it's like everybody's talking about the value and the brand of the Chiefs. Don't get me wrong. You know, Jake brought up New England's number two on that list. It's hard to be top five. It's hard to be that recognizable, and especially for New England, who's not the biggest of markets. They've got the Boston market, but it's also like New England. You know, so it's not this massive, massive city with I mean it's it's a big city, but it's not what you it's not LA. It's not Dallas. It's not New York. And those are the three I keep going back to. What New England and Green Bay both did, which is very impressive, and what Kansas City, I believe, gets to, you are so good that it doesn't matter about your market. It doesn't matter how big your city is. You know, Green Bay, both Jake and I have been to games before, and Green Bay looks like, you know, it's ironic here, but it literally looks like a city that was frozen in the 60s and just dethawed now. Like, you go see all the houses, they are the exact same model of a 1960s house. Green Bay is small, but the fan base is rowdy. They're connected. And Lambeau is historic. They got their status, their brand, by just winning. They had Hall of Fame quarterbacks. You know, you had Favre. You had Rodgers for how many years in a row? Favre started in the the mid-90s. Rodgers was there until last year or two years ago. They never had changes. They had usually the same guys. And, and when free agency wasn't around there in the NFL, I mean, guys stuck around forever. So you could connect with those guys, as Jake's mom did. You connect with that team because you recognize a lot of those guys. And for Kansas City, I really don't think it's a bad thing. Now, there might be people listening going, oh, come on. They they can absolutely top Dallas. D- Dallas has something that nobody ever will, and that's the fan base that carries back from, like, the 60s and the 70s. Now, years down the road, maybe Dallas does lose a little bit of its power. But how many teams do you know the owner of? We've known Jerry Jones forever because he's a very hands-on owner. You know, a lot of owners take a step back, but I would urge you to sit down, kind of like writing down the capitals and all the states. Tell me every owner. Everybody would get Jerry Jones. Like, Dallas is such a televised brand. You know, Thanksgiving football, there's another one. Dallas always plays. And you also think, you know, if you've been before, you know, my girlfriend is from Texas, her family's from Texas. Heard all about high school football in Texas. Football is massive in that state. Like, if you go to high school games here, I played high school football here, and then I go down and I see stadiums down in Texas, it's ridiculous. So that's another element to this. Now, also, for New York, basketball is huge in New York. I mean, you you drive down the city or drive through the city, you're going to see a lot of courts. Whether you go to NYC or to Brooklyn, you're going to see... Courts that are played. There are famous, famous courts in New York. L.A., you know, basketball is still very prominent as well. But it's like it's sometimes it's the city or the state and how they view that sport. It's another factor why in the NFL, which is why I keep going back to it, 
Dallas is going to be that front runner. Like back in the the 60s, 70s, and 80s, even though I didn't grow up in that time period, you would have had thousands of kids saying, my dream is to play high school football, go to the University of Texas, and then be a Dallas Cowboy. That was what kids back in the 70s and 80s wanted to be. When you were playing in the backyard, when you were the quarterback, who do you think kids tried to be? Roger Staubach. Like, that was just which, or maybe Bart Starr. The teams that you were shown, teams that were televised that you could watch, that's the brand. And that's what, you know, nowadays in the NFL, we can watch any game we want. Hell, there's red zone. We can get, you know, comfortable and know a lot of these teams and these players. And and that's what's funny. You know, I've talked to you know my, my friend's parents before or or just in casual conversation. In fact, a better example to use, I got a buddy who's not a big football fan, and he's always like, how do you know all these players and all these teams? Like, well, one, it's my job. I I know more of this than the rest because I go to work every single day and sports is involved 99.9% of the time. But it's also now in an age where this is the full access of the league. It's almost hard not to know about the team you're playing. And that's why it's funny. It's like every opponent the Chiefs have, I don't even need to look up like a roster sheet. I know who's on Carolina. I know who's on Atlanta because we can consume that so easily. But imagine 30, 40, 50 years ago, I'm only given one team. I don't know who's on the Kansas City Chiefs back then or the Dallas Texans back then. The AFL, I don't know any of those AFL teams. You don't. And that's why there's so many teams that are going to be in that level of you remember their era. We always remember Jordan's Bowls in the 90s. And what you knew was from Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. literally, or the sporting news. I mean, like you get a weekly magazine or yeah. a weekly newspaper or the USA Today. And that, like, that, what was ever in the, like, you didn't have the internet. Like you, you couldn't go. You know, watch, didn't know how those watch, guys were doing. Yeah, I didn't watch highlights. You know, so it's like how, how just the age of information has transformed that with the age of broadcasting and, and TV rights and and streaming now, and it's 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 night and day. You told somebody fifty years ago what this was going to look like when they got their, you know, once a week Sports Illustrated and their you know their one game a week on on CBS. <laughs> it blow their mind. Yeah. And I think it's uh, sometimes it's a good thing not to be the the recognized brand of just being popular. That's I think in this segment what I failed to recognize is that being the number one global brand doesn't mean you know the best of everything. Clearly I just said the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in two and a half decades after their reign of dominance in the nineties. We remember the the Cowboys era of the nineties, we also remember it in the seventies. But recently it's like they're just a big global brand because we know a lot about them. Like I would love to be the brand of when you look at the Chiefs logo, the arrowhead, the rock, you compare it to success. You just recognize it with success, Super Bowls. That's what people do with New England. When the New England logo pops up, I always love watching those things on TikTok. It was like, what's the first player you think of? What's the first thing you think of when seeing a a Patriot logo? I think of Brady. I think of Super Bowls. For Kansas City, people are going to say either Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, or Super Bowl. And that's the way it is right now. For Golden State, same thing, which is why, to tie this all up with a perfect ribbon, you know, Golden State and Kansas City just feel so comparable to me. Very, very comparable. Steph is Mahomes. Now, a lot of people are going to say, let's go one step further. Mahomes is LeBron. Or Mahomes is Jordan. There's similarities to all. You, you know when you're comparing different sports, it's not going to be the exact same player. But I always believe in how he came into the league. Because Golden State wasn't garbage when Steph came into the league and, and he took over with Clay and Draymond. But he did something that LeBron, LeBron did not do, and that was revolutionize the sport. Yes. He changed and the game. And that's what I think Mahomes has done. Yeah, he's absolutely – what Steph Curry has done is, is absolutely changed the game of basketball. Mm-hmm. It, because when I was growing up, it was all about dunking. It was all about the center. It was mm-hmm. all about – like the game of basketball, like 
the dunk contest test was the biggest thing you'd watch over All Star Weekend. It was mm. amazing, you know, whether it be Jordan and Dominique and now it sucks. Doctor J. <laughs> now it sucks because kids aren't trying to dunk all the time. When I was a kid, you know, I'm I'm six three. You know, I I got the ball down a couple times, and that was a big deal. When when somebody could dunk, it's like wow. Yeah. <laughs> you went to high school basketball game. You saw a guy dunk, you're like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But now it's dudes would rather shoot from the logo. Yeah. So when you're growing up, you're, try, you're not trying to dunk. You're not working on your vertical. Mm-hmm. You're working on, on getting up as many reps from the logo, from, from 30 feet back. Mm-hmm. That's what you're trying to do when you're growing up. You're trying to be Steph. But the, the game of basketball has completely changed because of Steph Curry and, you know, Kerr and, and the Warriors, their philosophy mm-hmm. to go that direction, to get – you know, an exorbitant amount of threes up, you know, to, you know, you would look to, like on a break to stop and take a three on a oh. break when I was growing up. Like, benched in high yeah, school basketball. Yeah, you're, you're done. <laughs> you're done. Now it's like, yeah, this is what you do. You got to open look. It's an open three. look. Yeah. High percentage look. And, and so I, I, that does make more sense if mm-hmm. you're going with Mahomes because what Mahomes has done to the position of quarterback has revolutionized it. Mm-hmm. He's throwing from different angles, sidearm, no, no look. looks, like right. So I mean, the kids are doing that now, and like that's that you know that's where the direction of quarterbacking is gone. You know, it's it, it's funny because there there's so many people out there that will criticize the footwork. Oh, he's not the the typical quarterback, or he wasn't the typical basketball player, but it's working, and, and it's generating those ratings, and that's why with Stephen Mahomes, the sidearm, the no-look, the deep threes, it's what kids want to do. They gravitate toward that player. When I was growing up, I saw more so the, I would say, the middle of the prime of Kobe Bryant. What were a lot of kids trying to do? Fade-away fade away turnaround jumpers. You wanted to be like Kobe. Nobody could really do what LeBron was doing, so that was just not not likely for a bunch of 10 to 12-year-old kids. But see, that that's another part of it. Like, if Mahomes was a phenom, high school quarterback, five-star, number one in the recruit, had, or number one recruit in the world, and had the expectation from the time he was 14 to now to be the best ever, then he's probably more so LeBron. That's why I just don't think LeBron is very comparable. Like, Jordan, Kobe, and Steph all had those similarities of, of coming out of the draft. There was some expectation, you know, took off, had their injuries. Like LeBron, from the time he was a teen, younger than a teen, just out of junior high, I was like, this is going to be the best kid that's ever played the game. And he, for the most part, lived up to it. Pretty hard to do. So that's why I don't really like making the comparison with Mahomes and LeBron. I think Mahomes is very much Steph, and the Chiefs are very much the Warriors. They went from, wow, this team's really fun, cool brand, to I hate this team. I can't stand them. And the Bulls probably did a lot of the same things. But, you know, for Kansas City, you get that three-peat, maybe you then are in the Chicago Bulls territory. But, again, you can be a very, very respectable and national brand like New England, you know, like Chicago, But the global brand, I just don't know if the Chiefs will ever get to that status because of all those reasons that we just brought up. Okay, we'll take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll roll on on the shift on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City. I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Well, NFL free agency is in 12 days. We know the draft is going to be coming up in April. But with free agency, I think that's far more entertaining. You're going to see guys jump ship. You're going to see guys get big-time deals. I thought this headline was hilarious to me. And it comes from Gerard Mayo. I think it was a perfect segue because we just talked a lot about New England in our first one about big-time brands and sports. Uh, Gerard Mayo, I think, was knocked down on the totem pole a little bit. I think people looked at Gerard Mayo, New England, fresh start, no more Belichick. Belichick's not going to be making the calls. He's not going to be signing the players, you know, doing his own scouting with all the drafting. And you would have thought, hey, New England's not going to be good, but maybe we could go out in free agency and make this team a little bit more competitive. Let's not go into year number one with Gerard Mayo and just tank. Let's just not be a bottom-feeding team in the NFL. We're the Patriots. 
We're the number two brand in the NFL. We can't be doing that. But Gerard Mayo uh, was asked about the comments he made on burning some cash. So if you missed that, he had some comments on, you know, we can burn some cash this offseason, spend some money, go through free agency. And all of a sudden, he's walked back on it. And he said, well, you don't have to spend all of it in one year. So I almost wonder if you have Robert Kraft getting in the ear of Gerard Mayo and is like, hey, know your role in year one. Our goal for year one is getting us a quarterback again, developing that quarterback, and then we're going to spend some money. And I know Gerard Mayo has impossible shoes to fill. You know, he he wanted to go out there and say, it's my first year, I'm ready to go, and headlined some stories by saying, we're going to be ready to burn some cash. So now you put your owner on the spot, right? If the coach is going to say, ready to burn some cash, most coaches in the NFL, uh, look to Andy Reid, for example, here in Kansas City. When have you ever heard Andy Reid say, uh, we're going to go out there and spend some money? Now, he doesn't really need to because his team's coming off back-to-back Super Bowls. You can have faith in this organization, this franchise, to make the right signings, give the right extensions to the right players. But Gerard Mayo's trying to do what a lot of first-year coaches, I think, are going to try to do. you got to impress somehow. You want to show a different level of aggression, whereas Belichick, for 20 years, would do what? We're on to Cincinnati. How do you think this free agency uh, merry-go-round this circus is going to go? You know, we're not not really focused on it right now. We'll we'll worry about it when the time comes. That's what he would do. So Gerard Mayo's like, I'm going to take the different approach of I'm going to be open. I'm going to say things. And <laughs> shortly into his tenure, already saying things he has to walk back on. Now I do like Gerard Mayo. I don't really think it's going to work out perfectly because, again, I think it's always the guy that comes after the guy who followed Belichick. Like, Gerard Mayo, as I said, impossible expectation. I don't think Patriot fans are going, this is the next Belichick. I think they're hoping that New England can just get back to a postseason team right now. It's how you have to. There are 99 percent of coaches in the NFL that's probably the the mark I would say and Andy Reid really being the only there's only other there's one coach in the league right now that can live up to Belichick expectations and it's Andy Reid and he's not even in New England nobody else in the league can right now they're not even close and Andy Reid's not really that close he's still three Super Bowls away from Belichick so for Gerard Mayo I get it you're trying to take a different approach you're trying to take this angle of we're going to be a different version. This is going to be my Patriot team. And I do think we're going to see a different looking Patriot squad. I don't think we're going to be seeing the Patriot way anymore. And I know Gerard Mayo was kind of groomed in the Patriot way. No, he was on Bill Belichick's staff for quite some time. He was handpicked to be the head coach. So I'd imagine Belichick wants some form of the Patriot way with the next guy that follows it up. But I do think he's going to want to take a little bit of a different approach, how he handles the media, how he plays certain guys, the the players that he targets. Like, what happens if the Patriots go out there and get Jaden Daniels? Electric dual-threat quarterback out of LSU. When was the last time New England had any quarterback like that? Cam? Cam Newton for a season in the COVID year? And that was the, the remnants of Cam Newton. That was not prime Cam. They went two decades with Tom Brady, then went to Mac Jones and Bailey Zappi. Jaden Daniels is the the anti-Tom Brady quarterback. He's the anti-Mac Jones, the anti-Bailey Zappi. So you can construct and build your roster a different way. And then you want to go out there and and say, okay, we want to build around that new quarterback. We want to burn some cash, but he had to walk back on it. And here's the quote that he had. You know, I kind of misspoke when I said burn some cash, but I was excited when you see those numbers. And speaking of how much salary cap they've got, they got some flexibility. 
But when you reflect on those numbers, you don't have to spend it all in one year. This is going to be a process, so I don't want people to think you got $60 million, $70 million, whatever, so let's go get this guy, that guy, that guy. It may work for a couple games or maybe a season, but it won't work long term. Mayo's initial comments came before the NFL set the salary cap at $255.4 million higher than other projections. The patrons currently have $87.8 million in cap space to play with heading toward free agency. Uh, Jake, how do you take this for a coach? Would you, as a first-year head coach, go out there and maybe without having the conversation with your owner say, we're ready to spend, we're ready to burn some cash? Because that does get the fan base rallying behind you. It's like, oh, man, we don't have to wait through a rebuild. We can go out there and sign a number one wide receiver and a number one edge rusher and get our quarterback, and all of a sudden, New England looks like a team that can compete again. Or would you take the approach of, let me worry about the football team. Let's worry about the owners and the general managers assembling that football team for me. I don't even know if it was the owner. I mean, there's a GM in place now. Mm-hmm. Maybe that GM went up to him and said, "Hey, <laughs> that's that's not my plan. I don't want you to, I don't want you to to look like you're crazy when we don't go out and do this." But you know, Elliot Wolf, I think from the mm-hmm. Packers, maybe. Yeah. So he like so. I mean, it's it's not even that. It's the owner. It's like there's now a whole different system than there used to be, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it, he has somebody above him, and uh, I mean that's what you want to hear. But also, it just doesn't it doesn't mean the same thing that it would in the NBA or the major, or in the MLB, right? If you because you can go out and spend. I mean, look, there's yeah, there's, there's a no. soft there's a soft cap in the NBA. It's a luxury mm-hmm. tax, whatever. Teams still blow it away sometimes. But it's like, are you going to get, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to spend a bunch of money, but you can only spend so much money. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I think he's just excited to be in that place. And, hey, look, maybe he was told, hey, if we, like, you're not giving us any leverage on free agents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, if, if you're telling everybody, hey, we're going to spend a ton of money, and then free agents like, okay, open the book, open up that checkbook. So, I, you know, it's it's what you'll see out of a young First time, you know. Just imagine if Andy Reid went out and said that. Like it just wouldn't happen. get people excited, but it wouldn't happen. That's what no. I'm saying. Like you, you don't hear veteran coaches. You know, you know. Any time Andy Reid's asked about personnel or free agency, Veach, Veach, take care of that. I, I worry about the guys on the roster. That that's Veach. You know, even though we all know who's really in charge. You know. Yeah. Like that's because that's Andy Reid's he's a veteran. He's one of the greatest. He he's he says nothing all the time. I mean there's there he he he's great at saying nothing. Yeah. And so, you know, it comes without experience that Jared Gerard Mayo would would say something like that. I get it. I mean, he had to walk it back, so he's learning. That's how you learn. It is. I it's unfortunate for him though cuz I know there had to have been a lot of Patriot fans in Boston going, this is just the greatest hire. We've got a coach that's fiery, he's passionate. Now he's talking about spending money. Let's go out there and get some high-level guys, and let's get ourselves a number 1 quarterback with a third overall pick, and let's shock everybody like the Texans did last year and go to the playoffs. Then I'm sure the GM's like, hey, uh, we got a lot of holes to fill. We, we, You can give us $90 million to spend, and I'm not sure that's even enough money. Uh, this, and, and I would be curious, I, I'm – I'd love to know what Patriot like. Are, are they like okay? They have to understand that they're they're beginning a rebuild. I mean, they, I mean, uh-huh. I, I so I think that they're like okay. L- let's wait and see. Even if he's pounding on the table, and said we're going to spend the money. I think Patriot fans are intelligent enough, as much as it pains me to say that out <laughs> loud, that they know what's in front of them. They know that that you know. Now I think by year two and three, like. I, I, I think by year two, they think, hey, we better be in the playoffs. I, but I think that he gets a yeah. grace year. I think, you know. He should, absolutely. I don't think that they should go, all right, it's 10-win season or bust right now. But I do think New England fans go, we better be competitive. We Yeah, you can't be like last year. I mean, that roster was just awful. I know the Chiefs somewhat struggled in that game, but did they really? Nobody really struggled except for the Buffalo Bills in playing the New England Patriots. Now, New England also went into Denver and won on Christmas Day. That was another weird game. But overall, like Patriot fans have a high level of expectation. And I think they might be 
looking at wishful thinking because Bill Belichick took Mac Jones to the playoffs. Remember that? And they won 10 games. They actually jumped out to like an 8-3 record, then limped into the playoffs, and Buffalo never punted or turned it over and beat them by 20 at Orchard Park. Like, I could see them looking at that and then also looking at Houston. That's another impressive thing. I'm sure there are Patriot fans going, if Houston could do it, why not us? And I would say, well, look at your division, look at Houston's. The AFC South sucked. Houston needed to win 10 games. You probably need to win 12 to win the division, which ain't happening. And you're going to have Aaron Rodgers back in New York, so you have three other teams with good quarterbacks. Rodgers, Allen, Tua. You don't even have a quarterback right now. So there needs to be that grace period. I think you're exactly right, Jake, where you go, get us a quarterback, develop, next offseason's when we spend. But in the NFL, it's different than the NBA and the MLB. You know, even though they have much looser restrictions on spending money, it takes time to build rosters over there. Like in the NFL, we can see somebody like Houston take somebody number two overall and be in the playoffs next year, win a playoff game, win a playoff game by 20. And that kind of sets in the delusion of, well, anybody can do it. Well, a lot of circumstances come into factor. Now, Todd Haley and Matt Castle went to a playoff game here in Kansas City. Like, there are weak teams that make the playoffs in the NFL, but for New England, as Gerard Mayo did say, it could work for one year if you spend a lot of money, but we want to build long-term, and that's the smart thing to say. You don't want to sell out for a wild-card berth and get trounced in the first round. Nobody likes that. Yeah, playoffs are fun, but if you had to lose for a year or two and then that sets you up to be a competitive team for five, you'd take that in a heartbeat over one glamorous year where you win 10 games and then lose by 20. You would do that in a heartbeat. But don't know what's in store for Gerard Mayo and free agency. I don't know how many new players come in, but they will be getting a new quarterback in the draft here in a couple of weeks, probably more so a month, I should say. It's not till mid-April. So, yeah, a month and a half until the Patriots will have their new quarterback. We'll take our final break of the show. When we come back, we'll wrap it up with some Royal stock next on ESPN Kansas City. Back here on the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City, I'm your host, Jack Johnson, alongside producer Jake Gutierrez. Speaking of soccer, right, you're being a soccer guy, MLS wasn't popular, which I found on that David Beckham documentary. Like, I really didn't know that it failed to take off, really. Like, oh, in the it, beginning, it was like, it's, it's, they're playing in football stadiums. You know, this it, is ugly. Interesting. it was an interesting time. My, my parents had, we had season tickets to the inaugural. Uh, really? The Wizards. Oh, yeah. At Arrowhead. So, yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. It's coming right off the 94 World Cup that the United States hosted. Mm-hmm. And that was a big deal that they launched the MLS right after that summer. It just, it, it is, it, it really is a cool story about it. Because, like, every other league in, a, in American sports, like, didn't really have an issue taking off. But MLS, which now is built up, a pretty fun and exciting brand. Not at the same level, of course, as EuroLeague. I mean, no sport in the world has as much of a grip that soccer does. Right? You go to Europe, you go to Africa, you go to Australia, you go to Japan. Soccer's being played in some capacity, and it's pretty popular. But I asked this question of the biggest brand in the MLS. Would it be the Galaxy? Just because it's L.A.? Would it be... Man. It's weird because there's LAFC now. Yeah. It's, and they like they are now, they've kind of taken over that market because they had a new stadium and they have true. Will Ferrell and they have the, I mean, the, the new stadium is awesome. And, where, you know, I think where... The Galaxy play is like Carson, where, where yeah. the Chargers played for a year. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of out of the way, and this is like in the heart of the city. And so I, LAFC is a big one. I mean, Miami's the, the, I, the it. I mean, it's it. Right now, with Messi be. and Jordi Alba and Luis Suarez. I mean, it, it's the – but they weren't when they when they started. I mean, they were – I had a buddy who had season tickets, and it was they were, they were not happy about Miami yeah. when they first entered the league. It it kind of feels unique there because one it's not as old as some of these other leagues. You know, it didn't take off until you know you said mid nineties, early two thousands. If that still took a little bit longer, I mean, well, and this is not this is not the first attempt for professional soccer in the United States. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the NASL was a big deal in the late sixties. I mean, and and they had Pele, right? They brought yeah. Pele to the NASL and. They were huge. I mean, they filled the Meadowlands is where the Giants mm-hmm. and the Jets used to play. 
they filled the Meadowlands with with a crowd, you know. Yeah. And so, but it was like you had Pele, and they had nothing really else, mm-hmm. and they didn't they didn't really market it properly. And to be honest, like America just wasn't ready. Mm-mm. They weren't ready to embrace the, the talent level was not there either, no, and and no, that's no, no. what I saw in that Beckham documentary. It was like he was just surrounded by guys that were nowhere near. So and then you know him and Landon Donovan got into it because it was like this is my team, this is my city, and you're coming over here as the big shot. But right. there are also dudes. I mean, I, I played college at a D one level, and like a lot of those guys went and got drafted. I, I played against a couple dudes that got drafted. You know, that played at Bradley. You know, Gavin Glinton, and and like. They they came out and they were drafts, but like you you only made like forty grand, yeah. Like you didn't get paid anything. Like and so it's like the pay scale has drastically improved mm-hmm. because the, the finances have improved. It, it's it it looks completely different. I mean, I remember the first stadium that was built soccer specific was in Columbus, and Lamar Hunt was the owner of the Columbus Crew, and so yeah. that you know. And that that had you know the Hunt family had the the crew and the, you know they had to, you know it was I don't know it's just a really because they had ownership stake in like three teams mm-hmm. like Dallas Kansas City and Columbus, so it's like That's... you have you have ownership stake in three teams like who are you really putting the money into? Yeah, it's it weird. It was weird, but you... it, it's it's completely changed and it's uh it's drastically different that now they're getting you know the best player in the world be it he's at the end of his career and owned by Beckham (laughs) so it is wildly popular but yeah I've I think it's a fascinating debate of who has the most you know popular brand in the MLS because it's not globally popular but here in America uh, there are some people that would say that it's growing and growing in that popularity well as for the Royals talk they take on the Oakland A's today in their ninth spring training game five and three on the year here's what the lineup looks like leading off playing second will be Michael Massey playing short and batting second Bobby Wood Jr. catching hitting third Salvador Perez hitting cleanup and playing right field MJ Melendez Hunter Renfro will make his spring debut he's DHing Nick Lofton will bat 6th and play 3rd Nick Prado bat 7th he'll play first base Isbell will be in center he'll bat 8th Tyler Gentry will be in left he'll bat ninth to round it out and Cole Reagans will be on the bump he'll throw 3 innings today well that's going to do it for another edition of the shift on 94.5 FM and 1510 AM ESPN Kansas City I've been your host Jack Johnson alongside producer Jake Gutierrez we'll talk to you on Monday at 10 AM you take it easy Kansas City